hello and welcome to the PA system. This is the show for anyone who has struggled to live from a place of power, known they were meant for greater things, and wondered how they would ever get there. My name is Pamela Aubrey, and I'm talking with experts, leaders, and visionaries that have faced trauma and hardship head on and come out triumphant. So if you're trying to figure out what more you have to do to make it to the next level, this show is for you. to write a book, attempting to write magazine articles, or just hoping you could get a blog post done. I'm here today talking with Troy Lambert about how to write compelling stories and how they shape and color our lives. So with that, Troy, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Such a joy to have you. So I love this idea of a compelling story. And you and I were chatting a little bit before we came on the show. And you had some really interesting things to say about what it really means to tell a compelling story. So I want to jump into that here in just a couple of minutes. But first, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about you and how this, this idea and, and this you know, gift of storytelling has unfolded in your own life. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I, I really I've, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was a young kid. I wrote my very first book when I was six years old called George and the Giant Castle. Um, it's never been published, but my autobiography, when I eventually get around to writing it, will be called Troy and the Giant Castle for a variety mm -hmm. of reasons we won't go into on this podcast, <laughs> or that would be a really long therapy type session. Um, but anyway, so, um, but I, I started writing in my teens. I really wanted to be a writer. I told all mm -hmm. my high school counselors and stuff, this is what I wanted to do. Um, they were older and smarter than me and told me it was impossible. <laughs> and so I believed them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after 30 years of what I call a collection of hairnets, name tags, and various different careers, mm -hmm. I decided that this is what I was built for. I mm -hmm. wasn't really good for anything else. And so I decided to learn how to write full time. And that happened to me at a very good time. Self-publishing was kind of becoming a thing, more of a mainstream thing, all kinds of stuff like that. And I was very fortunate to fall into it at kind of a good time. And now I write full time. Um, but story has just always been an underlying part of my life from the time my grandfather was sitting around the campfire with us telling stories until mm. now when I'm the one telling stories and to a lot more people than my grandpa did. I love that. I love that. So talk to us about this idea of compelling story. I mean, what does that really mean? What is a compelling story? So uh, there's there's basically a, a couple different elements of every single story. It's basically just an interesting person in an interesting place doing interesting things. Mm -hmm. And it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, right? That's a, that's a compelling story. And you can break down every story you've ever heard into those basic elements, especially one that really touched you. But I, I think compelling stories, we all have compelling stories. Mm -hmm. And we connect to story because our lives our stories. We have a beginning, we have a middle, and we have an end. We encounter interesting people. We're all interesting people, whether we think we are or not. 
and we go to interesting places and we do interesting things. We yeah. have all the elements of story in our lives all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think the reason that, you know, when we talk about telling compelling stories, story is the basis for so much of what we do that it's almost something you can't get away from. Mm. I love that because, you know, I think for a lot of us, you know, our story is so familiar to us that we don't necessarily appreciate it fully. Right. And mm -hmm. so you can hear someone else's story and you're drawn into it in the ways that you relate. Right. Which I think is what you're speaking to, really. I mean, that's really the power of us sharing our stories. And so when we have the opportunity to do that, it's really a powerful thing. But I think it's also sort of this intimidating thing because all of a sudden we're going into the space, number one, of vulnerability, where we feel like I'm not really sure anybody even wants to hear this story, right? And what do I have to say that's of consequence? Or what's you know significant about my story? I haven't done this, or I, you know, I'm not like that person, or or whatever the case may be. So when we're thinking about writing our stories, what's the first thing we really need to get clear about? For ourselves so I, I think the main thing that you need to get clear about initially is what your motive is for telling your story and what you want to do with it mm -hmm. so for instance in my case i write for a living right which means right. if i don't write don't make a living like nobody <laughs> nobody pays me to just sit here and think about writing right. my story they only pay me when i actually write it and give it to somebody to publish or whatever the case may be Sure. But if you're just, you have a story that you want to tell and you want to pass it on to your children or you want to share it with your family or you want to share it with your church and close friends or maybe you want to write a magazine article or start a blog or something along that line, then that's a completely different motive because you're mon you're taking part of the monetary motive out of it. Mm. And like when you write anything, there's an intrinsic motive and an extrinsic motive for me. Like I write the things that I love to write. Like sure. I, lo I love to write the stories that I write. And some of the nonfiction books that I'm in the process of writing and that I've written before are all about passion, right? Mm -hmm. But I have to temper that passion with something I can sell because I have an extrinsic motive too. And that's called my wife likes nice things. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, I have to pay for those somehow. So there's, there's a couple different reasons for that. I think you have to look at your motive for mm -hmm. writing before you look at like how you're going to write what you're going to write and what you're going to do with it once you've written it, because mm. those your motive informs exactly how you need to start on your writing journey. There's a huge difference between a journal and a book that I want to sell to someone. Okay. Interesting. So let's just say, you know, someone's, they haven't really done any of these things before, you know, and maybe it's kind of like they want to test the waters. Where's the best place to start just to, get going oh man just to get started i would say just write your story whatever the story it is just write it as it is and how as it comes to you mm -hmm. but then i would say connect with other storytellers in whatever area that is if that's if you want to write a movie script then connect with other script writers if you want to write uh just something that's journalistic or very literary connect with other people who are writing that type of thing and don't be afraid to ask them for feedback or to ask them what you should do with what you have. Now, mm. that involves opening up and being very vulnerable because for you, this is very personal. 
for me, when I work as an editor, it's all about I'm crafting your story just into something that I can sell, right? right. So I, that's what I care about. So there's, again, that motive comes into why are why do you want to share it with these people and what kind of feedback do you want from them? And mm. don't be uncomfortable just stating it flat out. I just want to know how this speaks to you, if it speaks to you at all. I don't want feedback on my writing skills. I don't want anything like that. I just want to know, does this speak to you at all? Or if you have different aspirations, then you can ask them other questions. But just approach people when you ask for feedback and understand some people are not going to be sensitive. Right. Regardless of what you tell them. And that's... So you might want to hire to a therapist at the same time. Yeah. You may want to <laughs> hire a therapist. The other thing is you can actually hire a professional writing coach or consultation or something like that, even if for just an hour to say, hey, do, what do you think of this? And this mm -hmm. is what I want to do with it. Do you think that that is viable? Does that work? Um, because sometimes it's kind of like going to a therapist. You've got a, a personal detachment. The difference between going to a friend and going to a therapist is the therapist doesn't know you. They right. just look at the situation you present and give you therapeutic advice based on that. And it's very similar with a professional writing coach or an editor or whatever, is they're just going to give you very objective advice based on your goals. So it never hurts to reach out to somebody like that. And just don't be afraid to do it. You'd be surprised how easy it is to reach people like that and how vested other writers are in the success of new writers. So if you want to do something, I mean, you can find someone that will help you. That's great advice. Well, and so from there, okay, so let's say you've gotten your feedback and, and now you've got, you know, a little bit of a, of a momentum going, right? You're, you're thinking, okay, maybe I could actually put this out there. What's your next step? Um, so the next step is education, really. And this is, this is something that I'm often uh, called unpopular for talking about, but I'm like, if you're going to be a professional writer, you need education to be a professional writer. You don't go to the doctor and say, I had a bad experience at that doctor. I think I'm going to go off and open my own medical office because <laughs> I think I can do better than he did. Well, maybe you can. Maybe WebMD was okay and right for you in that time, but it's not going to be right for everybody. You don't know how to do all the things that somebody that's been to medical school does, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So you don't read a novel or a story and go, man, that was terrible. I think I could do better than that guy and just sit down and start writing something <laughs> and something good's right. going to come out. First of all, I'll tell you that everybody's first drafts stink. They're supposed yeah, to. They're yeah. horrible, right? But you, So you need to get an education about the different structure of story and what underlies the story. When mm -hmm. I say there's an interesting person in an interesting place doing interesting things, you need to understand how to make that person interesting to the reader, even if they're fairly normal. John Irving is a fantastic example of that, where he gives his characters these little traits that you're like, whoa, what does that mean? And it ends up meaning something later in the story, right? And then the beginning, middle, and end, there's actually a structure to that of how we tell stories that are the most compelling, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding that underlying story structure will help you create a better story, regardless of whether you're telling the story of your life, the story of someone else's life, or you just made something up and you're writing the next epic fantasy novel um, that, you know, that's, uh, or like George R. R. Martin, you just never finish. But either way, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things, right? You, yeah. you, you need to understand the the basics of that. You need to understand the basics of grammar and English and all those kind of things if you don't understand sure. them, because the way you present your story does matter. 
to people. Mm -hmm. So there's there's an education part involved. And of course, that's on the writing side, but it doesn't matter if you're a speaker, go to Toastmasters and get some feedback. If you're a videographer or whatever, then join groups with videographers and get feedback from people that are professional, that have been doing this for a while, that understand the industry and the things around it so that you can, and, and again, it comes down to community, kind of like we were talking about when you first know your motive and you've gotten some feedback, right. you're the whole time you're developing community. Writing and telling your stories can be a very solitary thing, but at some point it's gonna become a very public thing for most mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And when it becomes public, it's better to have had some of that feedback in private that helps you improve it rather than to get that feedback in a very public way in the form of an Amazon review or, you know, somebody <laughs> heckling you at your speech or whatever the case may be. So um, it, that community and that feedback is all important at every single step of the way. Okay, so going back just a little bit, what if, let's say you don't necessarily have a book per se, but you want to start putting out some articles. You want to just start getting some visibility with your business. Is that going to look different? Is that process going to shape up a little bit differently? Oh yeah, um, especially if you're looking to get visibility with your business. Because if you're looking to get visibility with your business, you're writing for two things. You're writing for your readers who are gonna read what you've written on the internet. But in order to get that discovered by the right people, you also have to write for Google and their algorithm or for search engines and their algorithm. So then you're talking about SEO and you're talking about all these other different things that you have to add into the mix, probably including some paid advertising to boost some of those um, posts and get them in front of the right people, right? Um, unless, unless you can stand for organic growth, which can happen, but it takes a really long time usually, unless you get lucky and go viral. Sometimes that happens, but you don't pay the rent with luck. Um, as I often tell people. So, you know, you just need to plan ahead for that. So if you're looking to tell your brand story, first of all, you need to decide what that is. Mm. Like, who are you? And this is another part of telling any part of your story is who are you and what part of yourself do you want to present to the world? We all do this automatically on social media, right? We don't sure. post every single thing that happens in our lives. We post our highlight reel. Yeah. Because nobody wants to read about me picking up the dog crap out of the yard. It's not entertaining. I can try to make it entertaining, no, maybe compelling. make a story out of it, but it's not going to be that compelling. Not if I do it every Tuesday when I pick up, you know what I mean? Nobody, every, eventually people are just going to ignore that post every Tuesday. They don't want to hear about it. So, you know, I mean, that's, it, you have to, you know, kind of identify who you are and what your message is and what you want to get out there to the sure. world. And this is especially important when you're doing it as a brand for your blog and stuff like that, because it's, it's everything. It aligns with your brand and brands that take a stand tend to do better than brands that don't. However, you have to make a decision about what that stand means and what it's going to cost you, because you know yeah. that if it's a divisive issue that you've got two clear sides to, whichever side you take, the other side isn't going to like you. So you're going to have right. consequences of that. Same yeah. thing with any story, really. But yeah, so if you're looking to start a blog and you really want people to listen to it and follow it, there's a whole other formula that's involved that also involves what you write and how that speaks to algorithms and search engines and what people are looking for so that the right people find your content at the right time. Um, mm -hmm. It's also true for books and involves book marketing, but that's a whole other topic that's you know, that's way down the road for most too far people. Track, right? <laughs> yeah, that's way down the road for most people who are like, I might want to write a story. And you say, you know, you think about book marketing and they're like, what? 
<laughs> no, no. So yeah. Uh, so really what you're saying is before you ever even start writing, you really have to consider, like you were saying earlier, your motive or what your goals are. So how do you approach that process? How do you start to map that out to figure out which which of these outlets or you know directions is really going to be the best for you and in light of achieving the goals that you want to achieve? Um, okay, so to, to, to address that, I'm going to talk about the fact that there's there's two different kinds of ideas that people have, right? And the first one is big ideas. I've got this big mm -hmm. idea for this story. That's going to be a novel, right? Right. right. But to make up that novel, I've got to have all kinds of small ideas for every chapter, every right. scene, all those kind of things. And those small ideas is where people get stuck. Right. You have mm -hmm. this big idea and this big vision statement for your company. And then people will come to me as a as a freelance copywriter and, and go, I don't have anything to write about. I'm like, you have your whole mission statement. You break it down into all kinds of smaller parts. You've got tons of stuff to write about. Mm -hmm. Right. But so you have to think about the things that way so you have to take whatever big idea you have and first of all decide how big it is is this an idea for a novel is this an idea for an article is this an idea for a big book what is, how big and how small is this idea and then you have to just start to break it into parts so that you understand it you need yeah. to understand it well enough you can explain it in a sentence or two with zero problems and then you're ready to write about it if you can't explain it to someone who walks up to you in a sentence or two you don't know your topic well enough to write about it yet e even if that's your life you know you want to say um you know i'm a i'm a kid who grew up in a in a um, very strict christian home rebelled and came to my own conclusions about religion throughout my life that's part of my you know autobiography story right in a couple different sentences now there's some compelling parts that i have to clean that up if i'm actually going to sell that to somebody but it's concise enough. I know what I'm going to write about in that story. So. Gotcha. Okay. So is that kind of the same process then for if, let's say you are just trying to promote your business, you know, obviously, yes, you've got a goal there, but are you still going through, is, is, is the process is as extensive to actually get to where you want to go? It's actually more extensive. And part of the problem is that we have blind spots when it's our own business because it's so close mm -hmm. to us. It's the old, you can't, you know, see the forest for the trees <laughs> type yeah. thing. Yep. And so often a, a business CEO will be like, well, I want every blog post to mention one of my products. Yeah. I want it to be all product and sales focused. And I'm like, that's never going to work. Mm. And they go, well, I don't like that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't care um, because Google doesn't care. Right. Yeah. And people don't care if all you're ever doing is pushing your product. If you think about that, about what you read on the Internet, what you consume on the Internet, if all mm -hmm. that you ever see from a brand is something pushing their product and nothing that provides value to you, you'll ne you're never going to buy from that person. Right. Right. And so it's a part of with a business idea, you almost have to analyze it further and understand what of value do I have to offer somebody like I tell businesses on your website, your about you page should have very little about you. It's yeah. about what you can do for your customer, for your client, for whoever's coming to you. If you're a writer, something, whatever you can do for your readers, right? What mm -hmm. the kind of escape that you offer them, because that's what matters to them. You have to focus on what matters to the customer, not what matters to you. Mm -hmm. So, 
yeah, it takes even more pulling apart from a business perspective. And sometimes you literally have to hire a consultant who steps back and says, hey, check out this forest. And you go, oh, man, there are lots of trees around here. I only saw four before, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's an important point, because as a writer and and I wouldn't necessarily call myself a writer per se, although I have been writing since I was young and, and I've studied the craft some and I enjoy it most of the time. Um, but there are always those moments, right? But I think that there is this tendency when you're writing to get very attached to what you're writing. So how do you, you know, how do you filter what you're writing um, or do you when you're first starting this process? And, and then how do you kind of help keep yourself a little bit separate from, oh, from the story itself? <laughs> This is the big question, right? <laughs> so first, I, I have to tell you this. So I, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, I am literally 30 novels into my career, yeah. okay, as far as on the fiction side of things. And I write countless blog posts all the time, right? And I, the process is the exact same every time. I start out and I'm like, this is the greatest idea I've ever had. This is the greatest thing I've ever written. This is absolutely wonderful. About halfway through, I'm like, I need to quit being a writer. I'm awful. I need to delete everything on my hard drive, go get a job being a greeter at Walmart. Hey, kid, here's your sticker. And, you know, just and go back to a normal life. Oh right. Right. Then you finish your book. You're like, this is the greatest thing I've ever written. It's fantastic. Right. And then you send it to an editor and they send it back. And you're like, I'm a hack. I need to go work at Walmart. Right. And the same process. People are like, does that process get any easier? And I'm like, no, yeah. I'm sorry. It doesn't yeah. get any easier. I wish I could tell you that it does, right? But it doesn't get any easier. And you will never feel like you're worthy. You'll always have a little bit of imposter syndrome sitting back there saying, you're not really a writer. It's not really. And that little thing will gnaw at you more sometimes than it does at others, right? So yeah. Yeah. to really take yourself away from your own writing, I do two things. First of all, there's one software I write in. It's called Scrivener. It's a writing software where I write all my fiction. I edit and do all my technical writing in Microsoft Word so that my brain, when I open Scrivener, it says, oh, good, we can play. It's just, you know, we're writing. Writing's fun. We can play in Scrivener. When we get to Word, the brain goes, oh, it's time to be serious. Yeah. It's time to edit or write something technical or whatever. So it's it's a trick for my brain. Yeah. The other thing is a lot of times I'll read my work backwards, like from the last sentence towards the front. The reason is I don't get wrapped up in the story and what I tried to tell first, I go backwards, and this even works for blog posts or whatever. And instead, you're looking at each sentence and the words in that sentence and determining, do they actually work for that sentence? Does this actually work? And you just keep working your way backwards. Then when you read it forwards again, you go, oh, wow, that's much better. And I eliminated half of that crap in there that I didn't realize. <laughs> the other thing is you search for certain words that you overuse. People overuse mm -hmm. that so just rather very little pretty all those type of things right. when you search for words like that like using the word search function you're outside of the sentence and the only thing you see first is that word and then you see the sentence around it and it allows you to step back from your writing and get some objectivity the thing is you will never get enough objectivity 
at some point you hire someone to edit your work for you, proofread it, look it over at least, edit it for you, catch all the things that you're going to miss because you're going to miss things when you're too close to your own work. So all of those things, it, but you just have to take the personal out of it. When your editor sends it back, um, if you feel like crying that day, cry that day, drink a lot, whatever it is that you compensate with, right? right and right. then then the next day, get up, make the changes your editor recommended and move on with your life. It's really just easier if you do it that way. I love that. And I love this idea that, you know, there is, you have to kind of start in this space of this is fun and playful and allow mm -hmm. yourself to just write whatever comes to you and sort of get it on the page. And then from there, you can criticize it, critique it, pull it apart, whatever you have to do, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's, I think that in and of itself can be one of the biggest challenges when you sit down to write, right? Because you immediately are sort of in that critiquing mode. And so just to like have the permission and license to go in and do that sort of brain dump is, it's a powerful thing in and of itself. Yes, it is. I always tell people two things. I'm like, first of all, draft quickly, write your first draft as quickly as you possibly can. Um, it, with as much little time in between as you can. The longer you take to write, the more of a mess you will have when you go back to edit. I absolutely guarantee it, okay? Guarantee it okay. every single time. Second of all, don't edit as you go. Don't go back and edit what you did, wrote the day before as you go. At the end of each day, end the day of your writing on a cliffhanger so that you have something to immediately jump into and write the next day or have an outline or whatever it is that you use. I have an outlining program that I use. Um, and that's up on my other screen. And I immediately have a writing prompt of what I'm going to write that day. Okay? okay. I don't even go back and read what I wrote the day before. I don't worry about it until I'm done with the entire first draft. So don't edit as you go, because all that's going to do is it slows you down and you second guess every part of your story. Forget that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a waste of your time, waste of your energy. And it's going to make you all cranky and stuff and your family won't <laughs> like it. So don't do it. Just yeah. wait until you have your first draft done, get that done as quickly as possible. And once that draft is done, whether it's a blog post or whatever it is, just leave it aside for a day or two and then go back to it. This means a little planning ahead. You can't write a blog post for Monday on Sunday night. You have to plan a little mm -hmm. bit ahead. But if you do that, believe me, you will save yourself all kinds of heartache and headache and all those different types of things. It allows you to step back from your work, look at it more objectively and fix it before it goes out into the world. Mm, that's a great tip. And so do you find that that is one of the reasons why people stop writing or stop working on projects it's because they're doing that very thing? Yep. Self-doubt and second guessing yourself is probably the number one. The biggest problem for writers is writers. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, your, your biggest obstacle is yourself. You basically at some point just have to sit down and say, my words are worth money. My time is worth money. Mm -hmm. What I have to say is important. And I'm going to say it no matter what. And if some people don't like it, well, there's always going to be people that don't like something that you did. Right, right. That's okay. But get, that self-doubt and getting out of your own way. And I understand, believe me, I understand in so many different ways that this is way harder to do than it is for me to just tell you, get over right. yourself, you know, <laughs> go write your thing, get over yourself. And you're like, yeah, right. Whatever. You're nuts. You know, I'm like, right. I understand because I've been there and done that. I'm still there some days. Right. Sure. It doesn't yeah. that'll never change. But honestly, that's the answer. You need to get over yeah. yourself and just allow yourself to do that brain drum, 
dump and write that first thing. And then once mm -hmm. that's done, you can decide what to do with it when it's done. But just write, just get it out. Often that getting it out is so therapeutic and so mm -hmm. relieving. And in so many ways, just exactly what you will need that you don't know that that's what you need. But it can it can literally change your life. And this is why I'm so like crazy about telling compelling stories and so crazy about writing. It's because it literally will change everything about your life and who you are. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so many more things that we could talk about. I know we're coming <laughs> up on our time here. So I want to give people the opportunity to know how they can connect with you. So they can find you on your website, correct? Yep, absolutely. And then I tell people, you can find me on social media all over the place. If you Google me, you will find me. If you can't find me, you're probably not trying. There's not that many Troy Lamberts <laughs> out there that are like, I don't know, in the public eye or whatever right. the case may be. Yeah. So you can find me all kinds of places. Perfect. So, and just for those who are listening and are not with us live, that web address is Troy Lambert writes and that's W R I T E S dot com. So you can find him there on his website. And then you also have a Thursday show you do on YouTube, correct? Yes, I do. I do it for a software that I work with called plotter. That's the outlining software I was talking about that I use. Um, that's a long story. Not going to get into that. We don't have time. Um, but I, every Thursday I interview writers about their process, or we talk mm -hmm. about like, I'll talk about certain processes. All those videos can be found on YouTube, um, under the plotter channel, plotter is spelled P O P L O T T R. Um, and it's under Thursdays with Troy. It's a web series. Um, those they're always a couple of weeks behind our actual live shows, but, uh, you can find all those on YouTube. So if you're interested in writing and all the various different things you can do with it, uh, tune in there. You can listen to me and other writers talk about things. And I always ask them some crazy question at the end of the show too. So that's always fun. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. You've shared so much wisdom with us today. And I know our readers and listeners, excuse me, are getting a lot out of this. I've got books on the brain now. <laughs> and I just appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. Well, you bet anytime. All right. Have a great rest of your evening, everyone. And we will see you here again next week. Thank you for listening today. I know you have many choices for content and I'm grateful you chose mine. You can always find more of my episodes at the Energy Healing Network on YouTube. Please do make sure to subscribe to my channel so you can easily find more episodes or watch them when I go live. Thank you again for listening and sharing these messages with others you wish to encourage and uplift.